0: Hi, this is Pastor Austin from Connection Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our services, you can go to ConnectionNYC.com or check us out at ConnectionNYC on Instagram. Hope you enjoy it and hope to see you soon. Well, good morning and welcome to Connection Church. Uh, So happy to see all of your beautiful faces here. Um, Seeing a few faces that we haven't seen in a week or two. That's awesome. Adam, I'm going to just, because I love you, I'm going to point you out real quick. How was your trip, man? It's good. Awesome, dude. It's so good to see you, man. Um, Yeah, awesome. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we're glad that all you guys are here. Um, We've been going uh, in a series uh, that we've called uh, The Church, and we did that series for about six weeks, and we learned a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, And some of of what we learned was that a church is a body of believers that does three things. That's pray, teach, and worship. And so uh, one thing that as we were going through that series that I knew I wanted to do is to be able to come kind of back around and go into those things a little bit more uh, in detail. And so we're going to spend the next couple of months going through uh, what a church is and talking in more detail about uh, what prayer is and and how to pray, Um, talking a little bit about teaching and how we do that as a church, and then talking about what appropriate uh, worship looks like. In the next several weeks, we're going to be spending specifically talking about prayer. And so uh, you guys may be familiar with this acronym. Uh, It's called ACTS, and it's in reference to prayer. And it stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. So we're going to talk a little bit about that acronym, and we're going to talk today specifically about adoration. And if you were just paying attention, I just gave you the titles or the topics of the next three sermons that are coming up over prayer as we will kind of walk through these uh, one by one each week. Um, If you guys would turn this week to Isaiah chapter 6, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 6 starting in verse 1. And this week we're talking all about adoration. Now what's really cool about this structure that we just talked about, Acts, is it gives us this really easy uh, thing to think back on. It gives us this really easy foundation to think about uh, really what all of our prayers should encompass. Sometimes when it's difficult times in life, it's easy to just go to God and just start asking for things the entire time we're in prayer. Uh, Sometimes we might thank God, uh, but we don't necessarily show Him the proper adoration that He deserves, or maybe we're not confessing our sins on a regular basis. And so thinking about the acronym ACTS really helps us think about, okay, what should my prayer life look like and what should most of my prayers consist of? So uh, in learning about adoration, I thought, you know, it's probably important that we define Uh, adoration uh, from the beginning. And you guys know how much I like defining words. And this one was really easy. Uh, Adoration means to have deep love and respect. Adoration means to have deep love and respect. And so when we're thinking about adoration, how do we adore God? How do we adore God? And so there's a few things that we need to do to to enable ourselves to adore God uh, the way that he's called us to do so. So starting in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, Uh, Again, if you guys uh, scan the QR code in the back or you did connection.family, you can hit the button on our link tree and it'll take you uh, to the lyrics. And if you scroll to the very bottom, uh, we have uh, all the scripture there for you if you need it. Also, feel free to follow along in your own Bible if you'd like. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And so I was reading just these first two verses, and it sounds so simple. But if we want to have adoration for God, if we want to be able to truly adore him, then we have to be able to look at him and focus on him. To adore God, we have to focus on God. Isaiah was so focused on God that in this vision uh, that he was given, he was able to describe the way that God looked in incredible and miraculous and impressive detail. In fact, this vision came to him in a time where there was turmoil among Isaiah's people. There was a lot of destruction happening. In fact, later on in this chapter, Isaiah is, is told by this vision of God that more destruction is to come. Later on in this chapter... God asks, He says, "Who am I going to send?" And Isaiah says, "Send me, Lord." And then God says, "Okay, well, go tell your people that as long as they're not going to listen, they're going to continue getting in trouble." And Isaiah says, "Well, how long, God? How long will that happen?" And He says, "Until those who don't listen are destroyed, essentially." And so He's given this this information that is just this heightened sense of destruction that is around the corner, and yet in the midst of all of this turmoil and craziness, kind of like in the midst of our crazy and tumultuous life, he's still able to focus on God enough to remember exactly what he looked like. To me, that was incredible because I was thinking like if this was Austin writing about a vision that God came to him and he said, He said, Austin, these terrible things are going to happen. And then I would recount that, and I would say, God told me this is going to happen on this date, and he told me to tell you that I need to deliver this message to you. And if you don't listen, he's going to destroy your cities. And I would have it all cataloged, and I'd have it wrapped up, and I'd give the message over. And I would feel so proud of myself. And then someone would say, you saw God? And I'd go, yeah. And he'd go, what did he look like? And in that moment, I would realize I missed it completely. I had the the opportunity to see and focus on God, but I would have chosen, as I know that I choose every single day, to focus on the detail around me instead of taking time to just step back and focus on who God is and adore Him. When our focus becomes so consumed with day-to-day transactions of going through the motions and we forget to just sit and focus on God, we really, really start to miss it. For those of you who are like, oh, wow, you're being too hard on yourself. No, you you would remember. You'd remember. Um, I recently, and by recently I mean yesterday, was recounting the um, story of when I proposed to Haley, and um, I was I was telling the story, and I was like, yeah, it was really cool. We went to this um, this park that we would go to after my baseball games in high school, and we would sit down at this picnic table and we would hang out for like 30 minutes and we would eat these you know chicken nuggets from Wendy's, and and Haley said, no, no. They were from Burger King. They were from Burger King. I was like, whoops. I was like, are you sure they weren't from Wendy's? And she said, no, no, they, they were definitely from Burger King. And I was like, wow. And in that moment, I thought, well, I've learned two lessons. One is I'm probably just going to leave chicken nuggets out of the story that I tell people about. I feel like that's best for everyone. Like, even if I get the chicken nuggets right, that's still not like an impressive part of the story. So I figure I just leave that out, right? Take, take the chicken nuggets away. But really, that was just kind of like a smaller detail. That was like this transactional part of us hanging out. But the, the value of us hanging out was just getting to be together. And I can remember the night that I proposed. If I close my eyes, I can still remember like the face that Haley made when I started to ask her to marry me. I can remember that she started crying. I can remember that she hugged me immediately before she even looked at the ring that I got her. And I was like, dang, I didn't even have to get a ring? Um, <laughs> I can remember those things because I know how to show adoration to my wife. I know how to adore Haley appropriately. And I know that the value in having a relationship with Haley is not in the transactional moments of our marriage. It's just in who she is and who she is to me. And you see, when we start to walk with God and we start to just rely on action uh, from God to us and we rely on these transactional things that happen on a day-to-day basis, then what we find ourselves is we don't adore God appropriately because adoring God is not about transactional value. Adoring God is about just sitting and focusing and looking and recognizing who God is. So to adore God appropriately, we learn from Isaiah just in these first two verses, how do we adore God? We focus on God. We focus on God. Now when we do this, there's a few things that start to happen. Let's look in verse 3. Starting in verse 3, it says, "And one called to another and said, this is talking about the seraphim. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called." and the house was filled with smoke. You see, when we stop to focus on God, we start to recognize a few things, and the first thing we recognize is how great our God truly is. When we choose to remove ourselves from just the hectic hustle and bustle of everyday life, especially living in a city like New York City, we choose to pull ourselves out of everything else that wants to draw our attention, and we fully give our attention to a God who truly, truly, and firmly deserves it. And when we give him that focus and that attention, what we start to realize is God is amazing. He is way more amazing than even the things that he chooses to do in in our lives. When we go back to the root of where those actions come from, he is this majestic, incredible being that is hard to even understand how he operates. And when we choose to focus on God, we choose to realize, man, our God is great. And we see Isaiah doing exactly this thing. As his focus is on God, he's just taking in this entire scene, right? He engages with this almighty being, a being in God whose robe fills the temple. His glory fills the earth and at whose voice the foundations of the temple shook. Again, details that it takes to focus on God in order for us to understand. Again, Details that I would not have recorded, right? I would have been way too caught up in the information and the transactional. I would not have been focusing on like who God was in the moment and, and how his presence and power filled the room. But we see that Isaiah is in the presence of not just a majestic God, not just a great God, but he's in the presence of an overwhelming God. I can remember when I was growing up in Texas and... We have some, people. how many people in here are from Texas or have lived in Texas at some point? One, a lot, right? We got some Texans in here, that's what I'm talking about. So it depends on what part of Texas you're in, but for the most part of Texas, it's just flat. It's just flat for as far as you can see. Some places have trees, but if you're near farmland, it's like it's like really flat. You might as well be on the ocean because you can kind of see out, like you can almost see when the sun dips and you can like see half of the sun like on the ridge, like that's how flat it is, right? So growing up, um, we, we traveled a little bit, but it was mainly for, like, sporting things, and we didn't travel out west much. So I was probably 20 or 21-ish years old before I really saw mountains for the very first time. And I can remember being in a car and driving with Haley's family, and we were driving uh, into Denver, and we were just outside Denver, and I was listening to the one album, Wonder, of uh, Fun, I don't know if you guys remember that album that came out and whatever that was, but it was a good album. But they haven't. Done, I was like, surely they've done something since. I know he's like saying a few songs with a few other people. Anyway, so I was listening to that album. This is how you know much I remember this moment. So listening to one of the songs, and we're driving up, and I looked off in the distance, and I was like, wow, those clouds are like a really weird shape, you know? And as we started, they kind of got like a little more clear, and I was like, yeah, and they're all like bluish. Like that's a weird, weird color for clouds to be. And then it finally dawned on me, like, no, no, those aren't clouds. Those are just massive mountains. Like, so big, you can't see past. They're blocking the entirety of what's in front of me. Just massive, massive mountains. And as big as I thought they were, the first moment that I saw them, as we got closer and closer and closer, they just felt bigger and bigger and bigger. It was wild. I'd never experienced anything like that. But you see, that's exactly how our relationship with God works. The more we allow ourselves to draw near to Him, the more we focus on Him, the more we recognize His majesty and His greatness. You see, a lot of us don't even take time, myself included, to even take any time to focus on God. And when we do take time to focus on God, it's kind of from arm's length. It's from a distance. And it might be a quick glance, But you see, when I was driving up on these mountains, I couldn't take my eyes off of them. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And if we choose to allow ourselves to enter into presence with our God in that way, it's going to be way more incredible than any mountain chain, any natural, anything you've ever seen or experienced. You're going to be overwhelmed by how majestic the presence of our God is. And all it takes is slowing down, taking time, and focusing on God, allowing ourselves to draw near to Him. And when we do that, the first thing we recognize is God's greatness. God's greatness. So we focus on God, and we recognize God's greatness. In chapter 6, starting in verse 5, Isaiah goes a little further. And as he continues to focus on God, as he continues to adore God, and he continues to place himself in God's presence, and he doesn't pull back. Sometimes we're overwhelmed by God, and it kind of causes us to go the opposite direction. That's too much for me right now. I can't take that. Isaiah stays there. He stands in it, in the uncomfortable. And in verse 5 he says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the ther- the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. See, when we take time to focus on God and we recognize how great he is, and that doesn't cause us to run from God, when we sit in that just feeling of being uncomfortable, we realize very, very quickly how much we pale in comparison to God. Isaiah's immediate response was, woe is me. He sees this incredible, amazing being in God. He sits in the presence of God, and his immediate response is, I am unclean. I am unworthy to even be in this room. I have seen the King. I've seen the Lord of hosts. And what's so cool is God's response isn't like, yeah, you're unclean. I'm glad you realize realized that now. What's God's immediate response to our immediate response in recognizing our unclean nature? It's to cleanse us. His first response is, he finally recognized it. He finally took time to come into my presence. He finally took time to focus on me. He finally took time to recognize my greatness and recognize how unclean he was. Now it's time. Boom. Cleanse. And you see, that's what God is waiting for all of us to do. Every single day, he's waiting for us to come into his presence and show him proper adoration so that his glory, so that these transactional things that we rely on can even happen. Because they can't happen the right way if we don't first understand who God is in our life. Not just what he does, but who God is. That's what adoration is. If we're going to pray with adoration, we have to understand what that even is. It's coming into the presence of God And being overwhelmed by who He is and allowing just who He is to change our perspective of who we are. Isaiah stood before God and he was so wrecked by the greatness of God that he immediately recognized how much he needed God. But don't you see that adoration, as we were just talking about, it doesn't wait for action. Isaiah didn't stand there and see a great God And wait for God to cleanse his lips and then say, oh, thanks for cleansing my lips. I didn't recognize I was actually unclean. That's not how adoration works. It doesn't wait for action. Adoration engages God. And just by the mere nature and presence and power and majesty of who God is, it completely changes the perspective of who we are in relation to an almighty God. Adoration is a response to who God is, not what he does. It's a response to who God is, not what he does. This type of prayer, this type of engaging God's presence, for lack of a better word, this is how revival starts. This is how God's people change. This is how God acts upon his people. We see this in Isaiah. Woe is me, I'm unclean. Oh, really? Boom, now you're clean. I don't know if you guys have heard anything in the news about Asbury University in Kentucky. Um, they started a, a worship service on February 8th, and it's still going. It hasn't stopped. Um, a couple of a handful of students were challenged by their, their campus pastor. They had come to him with some issues and some problems and just were struggling. And he said, hey, just give it to God. Stay afterward, after the service and pray. That's my challenge to you. And so they did. And then they told their friends about it. And then those friends told their friends about it. And before they knew it, hours after the chapel service had ended, it was actually more full than when they were having the initial chapel service. And now we're 11 days in and people from all over the country have traveled to Asbury to just see what God is doing. Some of them skeptics. Some of them just wanting to feel God's presence. But you see what's really cool about when we learn how to adore God appropriately is We don't have to go to Asbury University in Kentucky for God's Spirit to revive us. We don't have to do that. Because God is searching and looking for the opportunity every single day for us to stop and take time and focus on Him so that He can do that in our lives individually. And as He individually does that in our lives, it spreads like wildfire. And there's people literally from all over the country going to Kentucky just to be there for a few hours, just so they can get a glimpse, just so they can feel God's presence being delivered in the way that it's being delivered at that chapel in Kentucky. But we have access to that anywhere. So if we truly want to pray with adoration, we have to learn to adore God, which means we focus on Him, we recognize His greatness, and we recognize our need for who God is, not just for what He does. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so grateful for who You are. God, later we'll, we'll talk about the type of prayer that is thanksgiving, and that's where we give thanks for the things that You do. But God, I pray that this morning we would focus in on just who you are. Just by nature, how majestic and incredible and just indescribable you are. God, your glory fills the entire earth. I pray that as a church, we would take time to just just sit in your presence, God, even when it's uncomfortable. And God, I ask that that presence would just transform us. God, that our perspective would just be flipped. God, that we would see how great you are and how much we need you. God, that you would revive our spirits, Lord. You would awaken us to this power that is your presence. God, we would share that experience with others. And Lord, that you would You would speak into our lives the same reviving spirit that you've spoken into those in Kentucky. God, it started with just a handful of people in prayer willing to focus on you, to slow down, to sit in your presence, and to adore you. God, that led to confession and giving thanks and, and asking for you to do things in their lives, but God, it started with adoring you. God, we see Isaiah, and we see him in the throne room in this vision, and we see that he put so much focus on what you looked like and who you are. God, may our church be a people that focuses on you and who you are. And God, may you just transform the lives of those in our church and our church as a whole, the lives of those in Astoria, because, Lord, we consistently choose to place ourselves in front of you, to be overwhelmed by you, and to adore you. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I encourage you as we're moving into this time of response that let that time be now. If you've never done that, if you've never just sat in the presence of the Lord, just ask God, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And then you just sat there and you removed yourself from what you have to do at work this week, from what kind of week you had last week. You put all those things, you just give all those things to God and say, God, those are yours and now I'm stepping back from it and I just want to sit in your presence. I'm going to feel your spirit and I just want to adore you for who you are. I'm not asking you to take care of that stuff right now. I'm just telling you that I know I don't need to worry about it because I need to sit in your presence and show you deep love and respect because of who you are not what you've already done or what you're going to do in my life, but just because of who you are. So maybe you need to respond and take communion as part of a step of obedience. Maybe you just need to sit in your chair and just be in prayer. Maybe you need to lift your hands up in worship whatever you feel the Spirit calling you to do. I just encourage you to step out in faith in that and whatever that is, focus on who God is. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time that we just have to come together, Lord, and to, to focus on you. And God, I pray that this, this time would be a spark. God, it would be an initial time that we focus on you, but God, it wouldn't be the only time. God, let Sunday morning be a celebration of all the times that we've taken throughout the week to serve you and to focus on you and to adore you. God, don't let it be the only time that we do this. Lord, we pray that, again, this would be transformative for us. God, that you would bless this time. And God, ultimately, that we would just follow you more closely because of how much more we understand you by going through the process of just sitting in your presence and learning to adore you more and more. Just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.